Thank you for giving us your time and joining the Eclipse Breakfast Show this morning. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. What does it mean to you to be nominated amongst the group for West Australian of the Year? Oh, well, it's obviously an honour. It's also an honour when you are not a born and bred Western Australian to be recognised. I've got a lot of text that I need to commit to a WA football team and various other things. So I like to think that it embeds me as a Western Australian. Yeah, it's almost like the border crossings. Now it's no, that's you're allowed back into WA, but you're not allowed to leave us now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, no, very, very comfortable about living in WA and as long as I can. What was it that actually led you to moving over to the West? Well, the job. I applied for the job of CEO of the WACA and, you know, went to the interview process and was fortunate enough to be selected. WA was one of those places that when I played cricket, I always enjoyed coming to WA. It was a city that I brought a smile to my face in terms of having an opportunity to live there rather than somewhere else where you go, oh, I'd never want to live there. WA was always somewhere that you thought, yeah, it would be nice to live there. Interestingly, you're one of only a few women across the world to hold a position of CEO in a first-class cricket association. Do you sort of stop and reflect on that? When I first realised that it was quite daunting, it's nice now, particularly in Australian context, the acting CEO of T20 World Cup is now a woman, Olivia Thornton, who you know well as well, is CEO of ACT Cricket Association. You know, it's nice to know there's some changes happening in Australia. There are a couple of women who now head um, counties in England. Mm-hmm. I think the rarity for me is that I manage an association that works on producing test players, running test matches, international cricket, BBL, down to grassroots. So the breadth of what I do is probably unusual for a woman. Do you have aspirations for the role nationally, if and when that ever comes back up again? Uh, Well, we're in the middle of an interview process at the moment and I didn't apply for it. I think there's a couple of things. One, I think my opportunity for that's come and gone. Two, the opportunity this time around coincided with us getting the funding for our ground development and I was really keen on seeing that through. And after many years involved in the game, I'm not sure that Cricket Australia is somewhere I should be. There are places you get a sense that you wouldn't fit in. And I think for me, that's probably Cricket Australia. Yeah, right. Well, I think for, for me personally, obviously, having been involved with you at Cricket New South Wales and then across to the Wacker, I'm very grateful with the choices you've made as to where you've ended up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for that. Us wicket keepers, we've got to stick together. And, exactly yeah, right. Look, I've, I've called on the fraternity here to, to get the interview and, and for those listening, you also need to know that you've also hit a billion cricket balls at me over <laughs> many, many years. You were one, one of many wicket keepers I punished significantly on the training track. <laughs> you get a lot of joy out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just mentioned the ground development and we've seen that stop and start multiple times over the past, yeah. I guess, even decade. Is this something that's really building as part of your legacy? The project is something that many people have tried to get off the ground in one way or another. So to have been part of actually securing the funding for it and having the, the honour and the privilege of overseeing it being done, it is something that when I do finish up, I'll look back on as something that I've been able to do maybe where others haven't been. It's been a really exciting time since we got the first bit of funding from the federal government 18 months ago and then adding state government funding. And we're now at, you know only two months shy of starting the work on the lengthening of the Oval, which is the first part of the project and construction in full will start in January so you know it's a reality there's a lot of people in the community that you still go oh is that actually happening (laughs) Um, 
that'll be nice when buildings start to come down and others be built and people to go, oh, there's something happening there. Most of all, what I'm really proud of in that is all the cricket facilities we need to be an effective business in the sport we're in are being part of that development. But equally as important, the facilities that we're building for the community and the way we're opening the ground up to make it a real part of the city of Perth and the East Perth precinct is something I'll be really proud of. Yeah, agree. I think the WAC is an iconic global cricket facility in name at the moment. And I think when we get to the end and we watch this redevelopment and we all get to enjoy it, when it finishes and open up, I think it's going to change the landscape of Perth in a really positive yeah. way, yeah. I think so as well. When we talk your cricket and, and the legacy you brought, you were able to bring Justin Langer back through. He's now obviously off in the, the um, Cricket yeah. Australia role. He's always someone that you and him seem to have quite a good relationship. Has that continued even though he's gone up to Australia? I obviously keep a close eye on what he's doing Mm -hmm. and we try and get together when he's back in Perth. You know, he's a Western Australian boy at heart, so he'll often be at Shield Games. I kind of know how Justin ticks, so I can tell when he's under a bit of pressure and I always try and give him a call and support him. From the moment I first spoke to him about being coaching WA, it only took five minutes for me to know he was the right bloke. And we've had some decent discussions over time on different things, but there's a lot of mutual respect there and I just continue to wish him all the best in, in what he's doing. And then across in the, the women's game, of course, you reconnected with Lisa Kitely, who managed to have some really good success in the female program. Yes. First, Steve Jenkins, who I knew in New South Wales and happened to come and live in Perth, and he helped try and change the, the structure and the culture of the women's team here. Lisa followed him, and now Lisa was working with Beck Grundy, who is now the coach, and doing a great job with our WA program, and Shelley Nitschke, who I know through the Australian team, doing a great job with our WBBL team. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I think, again, it comes back to who you are as not only a person, but obviously the leader of, of the WACA, that you're able to get such fantastic people in in place and it only yeah. benefits the pathway and the players underneath if we have a look at the women's side obviously a squad announced this week a few changes in and out a couple of interstaters coming across to yeah. hopefully call WA home for a long time now a little bit of a blip last year the year before huge excitement finally winning the WNCL trophy it was really the second only time WA has won the yeah. Opens championship for you That must have been a really exciting time to have come through and watch this program build and then to have that success. I know last year disappointment, but give you a chance to reflect back on the the celebration of the year before. It was a big moment. When I first came over, growing a women's game is part of the job I had to do. I I just didn't realise how big a job it was going to be at the time. So to be able to build to a point that we won a title that we'd only ever won once before and in a different framework to what it is now was was a great moment. Very hard for our girls because Mm. in some way what happened this year was not a surprise. I hoped it wouldn't happen, but I did wonder if we would suffer from thinking that it would just happen again and probably didn't start our pre-season in the best shape we could have. And I think we were chasing our tail a bit. Add COVID into that. We have traditionally been slow starters. You know, it wasn't the year that we would have liked, but that's part of our evolution as a group. You know, there have been some changes made leading into the upcoming season. I think getting players from New South Wales, you tend to get players who have had a good grounding and kind of know what's expected 
of them because New South Wales is a hard system mm. and a demanding system. So we actually chased Maddie Dark a few years ago before she got a New South Wales contract. It's good that finally we've been able to secure her. And I really thought Lisa Griffiths had a lot of potential as I've watched her evolve in New South Wales and with the Sydney Thunder. I was surprised when she made the move to the Sixers and I wasn't sure that was the best choice, which proved to be the case. She didn't really get a lot of opportunities. So, you know, I'm hoping both of those players really get to show their true talent playing with us. And of course, they're joining Matilda Carmichael, who's been in WA for years now, came across originally for hockey, but played underage for New South Wales. And Ashley Day, who came to us via Tassie, but started off in New South Wales. So we've got to keep our team at that level growing while we build greater depths underneath it. We're starting to see those younger players come through, but there's still a couple of years off. So I'm, I'm quite excited by the work Becky and Kate Harvey out high-performance manager are doing. It's interesting because you, you look at what the formats are these days for women's cricket and even in the men's cricket. You know, the primary driver for domestic cricket is now the Big Bash League, both male and, yeah. and female. And yet, like I look through your stat, look at how many test matches you've actually played. It's a complete role reversal to the style <laughs> of cricket that everyone plays now. And the WAC has just been announced as going to host the fifth Ashes test. Everyone must be very excited about that. But you yourself, you've played in a five-test Ashes series. Is that right? I was lucky in my career. My first tour to India, they were still three-day tests. Then the next tour after that, England came to Australia for a five-test series, similar to the men's Ashes, Mm. and they became four-day tests then. So we played, started in November and went through to February and then played a one-day series. Even though we weren't fully paid, we were for three months over that summer period, we were professional cricketers. I I couldn't believe my luck. (laughs) Um, And and then some years later, in 92, I was involved in the only ever five-day test for women. So we played a five-day test in 92 against England, one on the last day just before a massive storm hit. Um, and uh, there's never been another one played. And, and in fact, we know now we don't have test series anymore. We play one-off tests against England as part of a multi-format series, um, which I think is a really good evolution of the game. And whilst I'm not a fan of getting into test series cricket for women, I think if we can introduce that multi-format series against every country or for every country in the women's game, I think we'd do a lot to grow the game. When you were keeping for Australia back in in your days, was there a particular bowler you really enjoyed getting to to keep to? Oh, look, I I always really enjoyed keeping to the quicks, um, as you would remember. I I love to dive left and right. (laughs) Never never a little bit of mayo on it. (laughs) Never any mayo. Look, now there's lots of mayo on them. Um, (laughs) As I grew in confidence as a keeper I, I, I enjoyed the challenge of being up to the stumps whether that was to a medium pacer or whether it was to a spinner I didn't mind but whenever we had a really good leg spinner I enjoyed that as well give some people a bit more of an understanding of the Bradman Foundation you, you're a yep. member of that board what, what is it that the Bradman Foundation actually do oh well the Bradman Foundation um, run Essentially, the Bradman Museum down in Barrel, which is where the Don grew up. He was born in Cootamundra, but grew up in Barrel, and Barrel Oval is down there, the museum. But the uh, Bradman Foundation is more than just a museum these days. They do a lot of programs for people with a disability, very involved in being the heritage custodians of the game. So they look at all facets of the game, and they base collections around them. 
I finished on the board actually last December, okay. but I've always held the view that it's a real asset for cricket and we should be doing more from a cricket point of view to support it financially because it's something that's really precious. It, it is completely and solely all about cricket and its history and obviously the Don lent its name to it and in Bradman Oval, it's really evolved. As Don Bradman always said, the game needs to live beyond him. It needs to evolve and the Bradman Museum and and the Bradman Centre has really taken that on board. They now have a partnership with the SCG, so they do exhibitions at the SCG, and they're doing some great work at the moment on the history of the women's game, which is sadly needed. We could talk cricket for hours, you and I, no, no drama whatsoever yeah. there. Allow people to get to, to know you a little bit better away from the game. Cycling's yep. a huge part of your the, your life in the past, I'd say, five or six years. You've set yourself some big challenges and gone and done some amazing rides. Where's the cycling at at the moment? To be fair, I've had some health challenges over the last six months, so my cycling's taken a back seat. But I'm back training. I've got holidays coming up, and because we can't do European cycling tours anymore, the group of us who normally go, we're going to the Gold Coast hinterland and Byron Bay and riding around the hill there for nine or ten days. Last year, we went to Margaret River. So it's given us a real opportunity to use the bike as a different way of seeing the world. Oh, you're very fortunate to do so. We'll have to touch base with you and just check in on how your ride comes along. But thank you again for spending your morning with us here on Eclipse Breakfast. Thank you very much.